Welcome to the Getting to Clarity podcast, the place where busy women leaders discover how to create more success in their leadership journey with less sacrifice in their life. Here's your host, Debbie Peterson of Getting to Clarity. Hey, hello, and welcome back. I am Debbie Peterson of Getting to Clarity, and this is another episode of the Getting to Clarity podcast, where busy women leaders come to get tips, tools, and techniques to create more success with less sacrifice in their leadership and life. And today I am really excited. I have Renee Schulte with me and she is in the health and fitness industry, which as busy women leaders, taking care of ourselves and our physical bodies uh, is, is so critical. So I'm excited to have Renee here with me today. And let me just share a little bit about Renee. Um, Renee has over 20 years of leadership experience in the mental health field as a therapist, a policymaker, and a consultant. So her work in the public and private sectors have given her a unique understanding of the policy complexities in this area. And Renee is a nationally recognized um, individual for her expertise in behavioral health policy. Um, also system design policy and financial analysis and strategic consulting. So she is in this deep. Uh, and so I'm so excited to have her, uh, share her wisdom today. And so, um, as a consultant, you know, she works with, uh, different States creating strategic plans around these areas and her latest project Making Healthier Policies is a course designed to teach others how to create healthy policy while navigating the hyper-partisan, overly political season that we seem to find ourselves in right now. And she and her husband, um, Brent, reside in Urbandale, Iowa. So welcome, Renee. It is so great to have you here. Well, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate the invitation. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. I always enjoy connecting with other women who are making an impact for other women, but for other, for humans, you know, in the world. And, and so I, I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your views on success and sacrifice, which is, you know, what we're going to um, kind of dance in today. And how I start all the interviews is just getting to know a little bit more about you. Can you share a bit of your background and how you came to be involved in this? Yeah, you bet. So I've been a therapist for, gosh, a really long time now. My hair's getting gray and I'm getting old. And so it's been a long time. And through that journey, I ended up running for political office, um, something I never dreamed I would do, never gone to school to do it, didn't really care about government in high school, didn't want to do anything like that. But um, I was working in foster care with my kids and the system just really wasn't working. And after being in that system for so long, I just thought, you know, there has to be a better way. And I got involved in that in that political run for office and got elected and then really started figuring out that um, changing policies is really where it's at to make system change. And you can help a lot of people pretty quickly uh, making good changes in, in the policy space. And so I've been on that path for a very long time. And then um, fortunately had a health crash and burn, um, did not care for myself well as I ascended that ladder in politics, just did not do all the right things and landed in the hospital for a long time and has built back from there. And that's really where a lot of this conversation will come from is the, the depths of the hospital bed to recovery and restoration. And what I protect today is so much very different than when I crashed and burned. 
Oh, and I feel you. And, you, you know, I call it hitting the wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, in my uh, corporate career, just getting to that point where I'm putting everyone and everything else in front of me. And, you know, it, it, it gave me a nudge and enough that I could pay attention to it without getting, having to get hit with the two by four, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which we, we don't pay attention. And I know that so many women, uh, especially now are juggling a lot, whether they're in the office or out of the office, um, working from home, uh, whether they have kids in school, uh, you know, kids going back to school, parents who, you know, sandwich generation, it's just a lot going on. And it is so easy to fall into that trap of, I don't have time. That's right. And so, so let me ask you with this new mindset after the crash and burn, Mm -hmm. what does success mean to you? Personally, professionally, what is your interpretation, your version or definition of success? Well, I really had to redefine that because prior to all my health crisis, work was sort of number one. And I was a really good workaholic, pretty type A, um, would just work and I enjoyed it and I was good at it. And the more I worked, the more I enjoyed it. And so I didn't have a lot of time for other things and didn't really think I needed to. And so my definition of success today was very different because now it's more about balance. And I know people think that's a myth, but it's not. You really can have more balance where work is a part of my life. It's not my whole life. It's not who I am. And success for me is to always remember that I am not my job. And as long as I have that clearly in mind and I live on my calendar, that it looks like life is not my job, then I know that's a win. You know, and so many people, um, you know, you talked about uh early the, the definition of success and, and it's changed and, you know, before it would have been around work. And, and I, I think that's kind of the crux of it is that as we go through life, as we enter into new chapters in our life, then the version of success changes. And what I find with a lot of my clients is that, okay, you know, I thought I wanted that. And that really worked for a while. But now I'm kind of in this place and it's like, I don't think that's what I want, but I really don't know what it is that I want instead and, and helping them to get that clarity because it does change. I mean, think about it. You have kids and then all of a sudden it, you know, that's a whole new realm of responsibility and that your definition of success will, will change. Uh, So I I love that it changed um, for you. I also loved how you mentioned your calendar. You know, if you want to figure out what is truly important to you, go look at your checkbook and your calendar, because it will tell the tale of, of where you're spending your time and your money. Mm -hmm. Are you walking the talk? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, for me, one thing I realized is my body like will tell on me. Mm. Um, So even if I hide the calendar and the checkbook, um, my body is what gave out. My body was like, oh, you think you're doing great, but let's just show you. And so there was this illness that I didn't know was part of my, my story. And I felt great the week before. And then there was in the hospital and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did that happen? And so it took a very long time to look back and go, Oh, that is what happened because it was so quiet and so silent. And it just snuck up on you. And so, you know, you just don't necessarily see it. You just your body is just like, okay, you're going to take a break. Either you're going (laughs) to do it consciously or unconsciously, but you're taking a break. And that's kind of where I was. I'm glad you just got hit by the two by four and pulled off. Um, (laughs) 
I wasn't that smart. <laughs> I had you didn't to, have to be, be laid flat and being like, okay, now we're paying yeah. attention. And, and what are you willing to share about your journey? You know, okay, you ended up in the hospital yeah. bed. What was going on in your life as yeah. much as you're willing to share? And, and kind of what did it look like after that, getting back to um, a new normal, maybe? Uh, yeah. So what happened was I ended up with an anti-inflammatory disorder, um, uh, which is really cross common and chronic among women. And when you're not eating well and you're not sleeping well and all the things. And at the time I didn't know that. I just knew I was in pain. The pain came along when I was in, while I was elected. Um, I knew my hips hurt at night. I wasn't sleeping good, just different things, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't really fully understand. Um, but with medications comes those those really fast words at the end of those ads that say you can get additional infections, right? Because it suppresses your immune system. So you can get infections. Well, I got one of those and it was a severe lung infection. And I was in the hospital almost two weeks. Um, and it took them a very long time to figure out what it was. Um, but it was like a year of medication just to get the fungus out of my lungs. So that just medication straight up and then getting back into any kind of a routine where you could exercise or you could do anything. And so I've really had to make some pretty big adjustments and, um, I did some significant diet change and some exercise change, and I'm fully in remission of all anti-inflammatory disorders. Oh, um, congratulations. That, thank you. And uh, that's a big deal. And so I it have is. been successful in that. It's not perfect. I don't live a perfectly clean life. I can't say that my diet's exactly where I want it to be or my weight or all those things, but I'm not sick and I'm not on medication. So for me, that's a huge victory. And, you know, you just had to really dig down into what, what did that? It was like, I, I knew I was ill, but I didn't think about the root cause of it. And so then when I got out of it, I was like, okay, how do you avoid that again? Cause I was like, I don't want to do that again. That was terrible. And so it ended my political career. I was going to run for Congress that I actually like two weeks from launching a congressional run when I was in the hospital. So I had to call major donors from the hospital to say, look, I can't run for office. And so it ended my political career, which is probably for the best and all the things. And so looking backwards, I was like, well, what in the world did I do? And so then it became a journey. It was like, okay, how do we not repeat this? And how, what did I miss? What were the warning signs? And so now I'm really tuned into that because I had to, not because I paid attention the first time, by gosh, it was because I did it all wrong. And now I'm like, oh, that's what it was. Learning so the lessons. Backwards. What do I need to get out of this? Exactly. Yes. What can I learn from this? Because I do a pretty good job of not repeating humongous mistakes in my life. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, that one was bad. So let's, let's, what do we, what could I, what did I have control over? What could I do? Um, I didn't know for sure I could get off medication, uh, but that was a goal. I went to a doctor that I said, look, I really don't want to have to see you on a regular basis. Nothing personal. Um, how could you work with me on this? And they said, sure. He said, I'm not sure you can do it. I'm like, okay, let's go. And we did. And so I still see him every so often. And he still jokes that I'm not back in his office. He always says, <laughs> you don't need more medication. I'm like, no, I'm real sure. I'm good. Yeah. So, well, good. Yeah. Good for amazing. you. Amazing. But it, it's been, it was worth it. And it was hard. And um, I've, you know, I'm in a much more balanced place today because I just took control of my own health and the power of your body to heal yeah. itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the mind as well. You know, it, it's when I hit the wall in corporate, uh, you, you know, it was just this, this spiral that ended me up so stressed out having heart palpitations, numbness in my left hand, just not being able to get a full breath and not being able to sleep, just emotions trash the whole bit. And I was creating it. 
And, it, and, and again, you know, it started with medication because that is what I needed in the moment. And I knew long-term that the medication wasn't the solution, that there was something underneath it. And it was through uh, really studying the power of the mind that I got those answers mm-hmm. and was, was able to go off of uh, the high blood pressure medicine, the anti-anxiety medicine, the migraine medicine, you know, I, I had that vision of my, my grandmother with her tray of pills and all of the little tabs that flipped up, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't want to go that direction. So kudos to you for, for taking charge of that. And, and, you know, really enrolling your body in this process to heal as well as the physician that you found, you know, founding the one, finding the one who would say, okay, I don't know if it's going to work, but let's go for it kind of thing. Um, when sometimes we, um, subordinate our opinions to professionals. So, you knowing better is that's, that's incredible. So thank you for, for sharing that. So I may know the answer, but what do you protect at all costs when it comes to, you know, what is it that you will not sacrifice in achieving your next level of success? This one may create a crazy answer for you, but the answer is sleep. Mm. Um, I have a, I have a hard bedtime now, um, because my body, I haven't been on that alarm clock in seven, eight years now. And I go to sleep at a certain time. My body wakes up at a certain time. And so for every minute or hour, I stay up later than that bedtime. I just get less sleep. My body doesn't adjust. I'm not one of those people that can just sleep longer tomorrow or take a nap tomorrow. That's not how my body goes. And so if I stay up past that bedtime, I actually have to calculate that decision in my mind and know that that means I'm going on less sleep and I can do that occasionally. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a robot. I can do that, but I really, it's not worth it to me um, to not be well rested because um, the beginning of the end of my whole health journey was giving up sleep. And part of that was due to the job I had and the expectations I had at that time, but it also was just not a priority. And so I was on that myth that somehow I could go on less sleep and you hear all these, you know, um, really smart people that are making lots of money who tell you that they can go on less hours and maybe they can, but my Mm -hmm. body did not. And so, um, I couldn't make myself and compare myself to somebody else's body who had a different metabolism, who had a different ability. So I actually protect sleep above most everything else. And, um, and so that requires, you know, I, I have also have quiet personal time in the mornings. Um, I have a morning routine and an ending routine. And so I don't take early morning meetings. Okay. So, um, so sleep is, it's an educated decision if you're going to do something different. So then you have your benchmark and it's kind of like, okay, if I'm not going to do this, then I'm doing it with intention Mm -hmm. and I know why I'm doing it. So I love that because for me, that is what sacrifice is all about. Um, there's going to be sacrifice Mm -hmm. and you have control and influence when you're the one making the decision and you understand why you're making the decision. Would you be willing to share a little bit about your morning and evening routine? I would love to hear what you do because I, as well, I start every morning with a cup of hot lemon water and I'm usually outside, um, depending on what the weather is. Um, I go back and forth between here and Florida. So, uh, if it's winter here, then, um, I'm usually inside looking outside, but what is, what is your routine? So let's start with my bedtime routine. So I usually start heading toward bed. This will sound crazy to most people, but around 9 p.m., which I know that sounds like, oh my gosh, that's I'm early. with you. <laughs> All right. So I, I shut stuff off. I turn off screens. I turn off computers. I turn off 
whatever I'm doing. And then I just sort of get my mind ready for bed. So that requires washing my face and just all the brushing my teeth, putting on my pajamas. But it's that routine in that same order where my body knows that I'm getting ready to go to sleep. And for me, it's time. just like, yeah, you just do those bedtime things. I also um, have some heat packs that I love. I have one that's full of corn and I have another one full of fennel seeds and I heat them up before bed and I can put them in the bed with me and make it toasty warm. Cause I live in Iowa and it could be freezing. So I cold. love heating those up come any time of year. And then if I use them or not, it's up to me, but I keep my room cold. Mm-hmm. I have the lights down. I have, you know, so just all that kind of t- I have comfortable sheets. I've invested in good quality sheets and bedding, um, making sure that I don't sweat at night. I'm not about looking cute at night. It's more about function to make sure that I'm not sweaty and hot and miserable. And so just all of those kinds of things. And so that's my evening routine and then getting in bed and then I can fall asleep pretty quick. If I've done well for my day, um, it doesn't take me a long time. I don't have to lay and toss and turn and stuff, but sometimes that will inquire if my brain's moving a little faster, I may do some breathing. I do box breathing okay. where you breathe in and hold for four and hold across for four and breathe out for four and across for four. So I just breathe in and out in a box and I will just count with my little fingers and count fours until, and sometimes I just wake up the next morning knowing that I was counting when I fell asleep. And so if my main mind's a little bit still buzzing, I will breathe and then or even do a body scan from head to toe where you think through like, you know, what's hurting or what's not doing what it's supposed to do or feeling and then I go to sleep. Then I'm asleep. So I don't know after that, but then my body wakes up around, well, it depends five 36. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wakes up and I don't use alarm clocks because that makes my body just not appreciate the world. So I don't do that. And so then I just wake up and then in my, my morning, I have a reading routine. I read my Bible in the morning. I pray in the morning. I have a journal gratitude journal that I've done. I don't know how many days in a row I meditate in the morning. It's part of my morning. Um, it depends if I read a hardback book or not. Sometimes I try to go offline and do reading in a book, depending on the season. Um, and then it's a workout and nutritious breakfast. And so, um, all of that's right in the morning. And so I know in the morning, and I usually, I drink either hot tea is my go-to or I'll do lemon, um, lemon water as well. So the first thing. And so I might, especially in the winter, my kettle turns on. And then that's one of the first things I do and kind of go into my reading and stuff. And I have a little blanket that I sit up my little spot in the living room with my blanket, looking outside this beautiful Christmas looking tree that in the summer is beautiful, but in the winter it looks like Christmas. And I stare at my little tree and it's, it's just fabulous. And my brain just sort of thinks about my day and thinks about, you know, what I got to do and kind of ease into the morning and protecting that time. Um, I don't do morning meetings. I don't do that. And it's not because I'm not awake. People are like, oh, you're not up. I'm up. I'm up for a long time, but I need to process and think and to like plan my day and to, you know, be in the moment and kind of like thankful for my morning and thankful for my day and thankful for my next steps. And that requires time by myself and not talking to people. So no, we can do a meeting a different time. There you go. And you have a space. So I I caught that when you said that, you know, you've got a space and you've got your blanket and uh, it's, it's another signal to your brain. You know, you're going, when you carve out a space for yourself, it's that space that you get just for you, even if it's in a living room that everybody else uses. Mm -hmm. But when you wake up in the morning and you go to that chair and you're looking out at that tree and you've got your lemon water, your tea and the blanket, it's a signal, just like your nighttime routine. You know, it is your daytime routine 
to, to get you anchored and centered in the right place so that you're not just, you know, hopping on a call or dashing out the door and I'll figure it out when I get there. It's intentional. No, I, if I have a, one of those days, it's really not going to go well. Um, I have skipped a morning routine every so often and it's, I don't know. I just never really get back to center and I feel like I spent a lot of time, but don't have a lot to show for it. I just feel really sort of discombobulated and not even thinking. And that's not looking at like my daily goals or anything. I wait to look at that kind of stuff till I get to the office and I have a startup routine in my office where I can look at like what I'm going to work on for the day, that kind of thing. But that's like a little bit later. And so, you know, I may start into work earlier if I know I have like deadlines pressing, but it's still after that routine. And, you know, and I can do a crunch version of that routine. So I kind of have like a short travel version and then I have like a more extended time when I could be at home and it, you don't always get all the same amount of time, but mm-hmm. you still have the basic tenants where your brain knows you know, check the box. You did your gratitude journal, check the box. You did your reading, check the box. You did your prayer, check the box. You did your hot beverage or whatever. And so then my body, my brain just is like, okay, you're ready to go. We, we can get ready. Now we can take a shower. It's just my body just knows now that it's time to do what I need to do for the day. It's, it's those been are super all helpful. Small things with huge investments in mm-hmm. you and your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My that. body really does appreciate it. And Right now, I, I was a, as a type A recovering workaholic, I was an everyday go to the gym kind of girl, um, or I've had those seasons or I did the Stairmasters and the, the classes and the whole thing. And then through this journey, my body's needed to be more mindful of that and like more in tune with, you know, is it just a walk today? Is it yoga? Is it a swim? It, you know, and be a little more flexible with that. So some people that are in the hardcore, I, I'm a huge goal oriented person would all that but some people are like oh well you don't have the specific days and times and your triggers for working out and I'm like well because my body doesn't need that right now my body really still is in this it's in a new place post all of what that was I mean I was swimming a mile before the week before I was in the hospital so clearly disconnected the workout from my health so I'm like I got to figure out, you know, more of that path. And so it's a little more, that part's a little more, well, do I feel up to it today? You know, what kind of movement? And it's not so much to go without movement. Um, I do have sort of a rule. I don't do the three days without any kind of exercise. That is sort of in my mind. It's like, okay, if it's been a couple of days, okay, let's do something. What could that look like? But I mean, I had seasons where I have a friend that has um, some chronic like arthritis and things. And I told her, I said, on those days when I really hurt, and I remember those days, I would go to the gym, I would get in the water and basically float. And then I'd get out of the water. And if we had like a sauna or a hot tub or both, and then shower and go home. And that was my workout. Cause I'm like, there were some days that I remember hurting so bad that I'm like, okay, I cannot do more than this, but even just being in the water was therapeutic. And so I'm like, just get yourself there and then do what your body can do that day. And so different seasons, I go harder at exercise. I I do long distance biking, stuff like that in some seasons. And so I really am trying to get more into, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to get more in tune with like, what does your body really need? Not just, you know, some prescription, somebody to do this. Right. It's like, and I'm not good at that because I I can either be really super structured type a, or I can just be like, "Eh, let it go. And so I'm trying to figure out that balance. And that's still part of the growth. I think that's always part of the journey is, you know, trying to figure out what's best for me now. And my body is every day is new. My body changes every day. I get older every day. So I can't promise what tomorrow needs. You know, you kind of have to be there to know what it's going to feel like. So you just kind of 
a little be a little more adaptable in that space. I think it'd be a little more healthy for most of us. And it requires a self-awareness. So I've got a really good friend who does the same thing. It's, you know, when she wakes up, she taps into her body right away. And it's like, okay, what is my, you know, what does my body need today? Does it need to run? Does it need to go for a hike? Does it need to go for a bike ride? Or does it just need to take a little easy and I'll take a, you know, a gentle walk. Um, and, uh, you know, she is a former um, collegiate athlete. And so, you know, she always had that mindset of, you know, you push, you drive, you train and, and, you know, she has learned the same thing. It's kind of like, what does my body need? Being in tune with your body, being open to your body. Um, so, and I think and we, like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. That's not, that's not yeah. a gift that I've had that one's, but I figured out laying in the hospital bed. I'm like, okay, how, you know, you're just like, whoa, this is a lot. What, what just happened? How did I get here? And so you're just like, okay, what way was doing that everyday working out thing clearly didn't help. Cause here we are. So I'm like, okay, so let's like that, you know, so I'm always looking, I don't remember who says it, but there's a great quote about you don't change the goal, but you change the strategies to get there. Mm-hmm. And so my goals are always the same. My goal is about eating and moving in a way that keeps my body fit and strong. And so that's the general gist. Now the strategy, you know, maybe I work with a coach for a season and maybe I'm doing yoga for a season, but I, I'm always trying something different to see what do I need? And, you know, and sometimes I get bored. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, I can ride long distance on my bike forever. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. So then what do I want to do? Right. And so there's, and, and having been an exercise person my whole life, um, you go through seasons where you're like, you know, that doesn't feel so good. Then, then I was in the pool the other day. I swam some laps. So I'm like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Maybe I should do this again. So my brain started thinking like, oh, let's try something different. Or I just saw something about a Pilates demonstration. I've never tried that. So I'm like, maybe I would like that. And so, you know, just trying to get your new, something new, something different to learn something, you know, where your whole body is involved. And sometimes exercise can be that mindless um, part of the routine where it's like, like if you're a daily walker, where it's just part of that mindless routine so that you're processing your day and whatever I should do it. Oh yeah. I get some great ideas when I walk. (laughs) Right. And some that, that there's a, there's a space for that, but then it all can also be though, learning a a new thing. It could also be uh, something you know, different and new to put into your routine that, you know, like spicing up your life. So exercise can be a lot of things. You can do that daily walk for just that, for the, for the benefits of the morning. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I wrote, I have a recorder on my phone. And when I'd bike long distance, I could be like all these ideas for courses and things that I'm like, okay. And then just, you know, dictating it into the notes apps about what I was thinking. And I, oh my gosh, I think it'd be this acronym and blah, 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 blah. So I would just go, you know, and so I see that value too, but then sometimes my body just wants something different, new and unique. And so it's like, okay, well, let's try something different for a while and see, and you know, you can always go back to what you know right. and love. If your body still likes it and still does it, you can go back to do the old thing too. It's and I love tuning cool. in. So let me ask you, uh, busy women leaders. I mean, they just, they've got a lot going on. What core strategies recommendations would you make around feeding your body? and exercising your body. Yeah. So really sleep is going to dictate and drive this because if you're not sleeping well, um, the rest of all of those plans go out the window. So I'm sure you've heard of decision fatigue. That's a real thing. And it started with people back looking in Israel about people on parole and looking that people got released from parole first thing in the morning and right after lunch. And they're like, well, why did people get more likely to be released in the morning and after lunch? And then they broke that down and said, well, is it because they were hungry or because they were well rested? And then they figured out that it was a cause of rest. 
And so they're like, okay, so why did you go through the day? Did you do less? Well, when your brain is overwhelmed with decision-making, you go back to the status quo really simply, or you don't do anything outside of your, your normal day. And so if you're a person that has this great plan for like healthy eating, like eating vegetables every day is a great tip and it's very useful and very good for your body, but you can make that great plan in the morning. But if you didn't get good sleep last night, then you're exhausted. And then you had all the decisions you made all day, plus all these new pandemic decisions, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, more decisions, more decisions for you, for your kids, for your husband, and then dinner, let's order pizza and get beer because it's easier, right? I was going to have to cut all this stuff up and make this healthy thing. And oh, let's just order. And so then we have guilt that it's willpower. I, I don't have enough self-control. You might've just not had enough sleep because if you were exhausted, all the decisions you made, now you're depletion of making choices. And so by five o'clock, all the choices are done and it's pizza because it's just hard, right? So where, where I really stand with the anchor is sleep because you can't make good choices elsewhere. But the two big ones I would say on the nutrition side, because they impact your sleep, is how much caffeine you ingest and how much alcohol. And I don't know if people know this, but during the pandemic, the group of people that grew the most in drinking alcohol is middle-aged women. Oh, wow. Okay. Record, record sales of alcohol, um, middle-aged women. And it was mostly wine, but it was a lot of wine right after the, uh, like midday. And if you think about that, we had women all of a sudden with their kids home from school, um, they did when they came home for spring break and didn't go back. Right. That right. whole year of that. And they were just what we do. And so that became sort of the go-to and alcohol we know helps us feel like we're more tired to go to sleep. But what alcohol does is as it metabolizes, it wakes you up in the middle of the night. And so you wake up about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and, and you're like kind of sweaty and not really rested. And so it just really disrupts what you might've had a, maybe a good bedtime, but a couple hours later, your body's wide awake again, and you've interrupted your sleep. And so really thinking about again, and you know, making conscious choices about that. It's not wrong to drink alcohol, but maybe move that up earlier into the day so that you're not, you know, drinking right before bed or eating heavy before bed. We've all heard it, but your tummy just doesn't digest really well before bed. And so then it's busy trying to digest food while you need to be sleeping. And so, you know, it's more about the timing of choices and the timing of how is that going to impact your sleep? Because the sleep is the key to willpower. Sleep is the key to good decisions. And so anything food related or exercise related that impact can be bad. And on exercise, all I'll say is you have to know what works for you. I can't work out very well after like five o'clock or I don't sleep well. Uh, my body really has a lot of endorphins released in exercise. And I have that kind of a high that you would express as a runner's high. If you're a runner, I can't run, but I can get that biking, but I'm really feel good. I'm wide awake, but I can't go to bed at my normal bedtime if I've exercised too late. So for me, again, that's a timing thing. I have to push that to the morning or push it to like lunchtime for a midday pick me up so that my heart rate will be high so that it then naturally declines like it should before bedtime, because otherwise my body gets confused. I could be putting pajamas on, but it's just like, but you're all excited because you just worked out and your my body is just like, why do we have pajamas on? And then we're all awake. <laughs> and so for me, exercise is really that idea of you know, doing the intuitive, what you need to do, but thinking about timing so that it doesn't impact you and other people, my husband can work out before bed and sleep. I don't get uh, that, but yeah. I can't. So you yeah. kind of have to be in tune a little bit to know, cause maybe it's okay for you, but 
you know, it's not for me. So you just need to think about what works best for you and how hard can you work out before you sleep? Because maybe yoga before bed is very different than, you know, a, a run or a, a cardio yeah, stretch class. or gentle yoga could be something that allows you to relax maybe, uh, yes. and, but and only you will know for you. That. It's not yes. a one size, one size fits all. Let me ask you, uh, what is one thing that you would like to share with the listeners about your views on, on what you feel so passionately about? Well, first of all, um, if anybody tells you there's only one way to do this, um, they're lying to you and you need to figure out what works for you because everybody is unique. And so if you have a goal of being healthy and a goal of whatever it is that you want for you to be successful, that success level that we talk about here with being clear on your success path, then what do you need for that, right? And we spend so much time trying to measure up to somebody else's expectations who said you need to exercise seven days a week, whatever the thing is, that policy that we've set, this is the bar. Is that really what your body needs? Your answer, collegiate athlete, might be yes. Michael Phelps, absolutely. When he was in his prime, seven days a week of swimming, and he could tell you why. But I'm not Michael Phelps. My arms would fall off if I tried to swim seven days a week as long as he did. And so you have to kind of adjust with that, right? And so I think that's the big thing is it's not about everybody else. It's about you. And so try some techniques. But if it doesn't work, don't just give up continue, find another strategy. There's always somebody else with a different idea, a different take, and just keep, keep the goal, great goal, and then keep working on the strategy until you find what works best for your body and for you, because that will make you happier. It'll help you feel better and help you feel more successful. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I know that I have been um, going through a process when you talk about timing of adjusting the timing of when I have my dinner. Uh, you know, I, I work out in the morning anyway, any coffee I have is in the beginning of the morning and I have been abstaining from alcohol. It is the best sleep I have had in decades. And mm. I am just amazed. So isn't that uh, amazing? I, I, it is. And, and I get what you're saying. And I so appreciate you sharing that with, um, everybody here on the podcast. So Renee, let the listeners know, where can they, where can they find you? Um, how is it that, that you work? Um, with other professionals or who are the people that you work with? Yeah. So I actually work in the policy space with my background to being in, in legislatures and um, working at that law level and policies. So I work from the policy perspective of not just like communities and states, but also in your own home. And so a lot of folks, we live under what we would call rules, even if they're unspoken or policies in our own space that we don't think we can change them. Like dinner's always at 530. Who said you don't have to eat at that time? You can eat whatever time you want. So, you you know, we can, and we make it almost like it, that's the thing, right? It's the routine. We have, you don't have to. And so like trying to help people see that there's a way to make a change. And then what I do is really help people with that message. If it's a message, messages at home to change is different than changing it like within your workplace. If you have a workplace that's not healthy, I really focus on making healthier policies. And so making sure that all the people that'll be impacted are at that table to talk about the culture, maybe in our workplaces, we need to have a culture of work, you know, taking a a walk at lunch or whatever the culture shift needs to be, but we all need to live it. And then making sure the leaders model that for our employees, right? If we want our employees to sleep and we say that's important, then we are not texting them in the middle of the night. We are not, they are not on call on weekends. We have to think about the policies 
that we follow and preach and live them. Don't say, well, we want you to take time off and then, but you need to respond to me within 10 minutes of right. my time. Are you walking the talk? Or, yeah, that's, that's a mess. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of employees that are like that, that can't do that. And so how do you, and that's what I do as we're working with people like, are what you saying you want your employees to do adding up to how we're treating them? And then the expectations, are they matching? And then thinking through policies and procedure manuals and all of that. So you can find me, I'm on socials um, anywhere. It's just my name. I've been on social for a very long time, having been elected. So it's mostly just Renee Schulte and it can be on LinkedIn, Twitter, doesn't matter. And then I have my own webpage that I'm working on and um, building out Facebook groups for making healthier policies. And I'm really excited. I have a course going to be launching in January that we're going to be talking about helping more people learn how to do this, whether it is changing those big goals, those big laws, or whether it's just our own personal policies that we need to shift. Um, How do we think through that process and do that in a healthy way? Because right now that's my balance is making sure that I look at everything through the lens of health and making sure that I'm around to be able to see the next chapter. So I... Renee, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. And I hope that uh, all of you listeners will go and find her on social media and check out her groups, um, whether this is policy that needs to change within your organization, within your association, um, within your home. So you don't have to figure it out by yourself. Find Renee. She can help you do it. And until the next time, here is wishing each one of you all the clarity that you deserve. Have a really great day and bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Getting to Clarity podcast with Debbie Peterson. If you enjoyed this show, please rate and recommend it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. To learn more about how you can create more success with less sacrifice in your leadership and life, visit gettingtoclaritypodcast.com.